Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net, located on the beautiful campus of Seton Hall University in South Orange, New Jersey. We're so pleased to have Joshua E. Lewis back in our program this week to talk about his leadership skills. Now, a little bit about Joshua is that he has just finished up his studies for his master's. Joshua, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. So, uh, when is graduation? May 18th. May, May 14th, 18th, I'm sorry. May, May 14th. Yes, and is uh, grandmom coming up for it? Yes, I believe so. She was unable to make it in 2008 when I graduated with my degree in psychology. So her plans are definitely to be on campus May 14th. You know, I really think, Joshua, that you have PhD just written all over you. And my question for you, because I didn't like your last answer, I'll be honest with you. Okay. Um, in regards to what's next for you. Sure. I, I, I think that you do want to seize opportunities, but someone like you, I think you can seize any opportunity you want, but I think also you got to set a standard. Right. And for, for a young man of your intelligence and your drive and your motivation, I see Ph.D. all over. Thank you. So what, what's the plan? I've thought about it. I've thought about it. Organizational leadership and management was a program I was looking at at Gannon University. Something similar closer to home would be more ideal. So if I'm fortunate enough to find a program that definitely blends the, the fields of psychology and communication, I'll look into it. What about diplomacy? Possibly. I haven't given it much thought. What makes you say that? Because you have the, all of the attributes of a diplomat. Thank you. Thank you. I'll definitely look into it. I, ha I know a few folks who have studied the uh, inter international relations here on campus. So Phenomenal uh, program. Excellent. I'll look into it. You know, I, I think that uh, if you if you look at the traits of President Obama, and this is a huge compliment, you have some of those traits. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. The thing that works best um, about my style is I just try to relate to my public, and that's very easy. Adaptation is key as a leader, and I, I feel like it's very easy and very much represented at the diplomatic level, so I could see that. Uh, adaptation. Uh, let's talk about adaptation as a leader a, a little bit more because uh, you have some leaders who are from the old school, and it's uh, <laughs> my way or the highway. Sure. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your thoughts about adaptation as a leader. Thank you. Uh, my grandmother is from that old school of my way or the highway. Luckily for me, um, just like every kid who goes to Seton Hall, I moved out of grandma's house. So what no longer works at grandma's house may or may not work at the next level. So ad adaptation to me means fitting in in your surroundings, being able to connect with those around you, even if they feel a different type of way than you. At least the respect is common. You know, something that's very, very interesting is that um, Stephen Covey, are you familiar with Stephen Covey? Yes, I am. I actually had the pleasure of meeting him uh, last November. Nice. Uh, he was at uh, this Leadership Institute in New York, and I was invited by a former colleague. Sure. Um, and he was talking about the eighth habit. And the eighth habit focuses on the knowledge workers. Are you familiar with the whole concept of knowledge workers? I'm not. Well, you know, in the industrial age, pretty much, uh, you know, the way that the counting was set up, uh, workers were treated as just workers. Sure. They had a particular task to do on the assembly line. Okay. They did that, and they did only that. They really weren't required to think. Okay. Well, in this information economy that we're in, uh, we are becoming knowledge workers sure. because we're 
creating a service, we're performing a very significant task that involves computers, that, that involves uh, different types of software programs, where it involves our thinking. Sure. So when you think about managing a knowledge worker, pretty much you know you have to let them know what their objective is, but you got to get out of their way and Absolutely. let them do that. Absolutely. Are you from, familiar with Professor Amar here at Seton Hall? I'm not. You should get to know him because okay. he has written some dynamic books on the topic, and he had an article in Harvard Business Review okay. that talked about the knowledge worker. Okay. And it's talking about you know giving up authority and letting them do what they do best. If I can just um, say something to that effect. Sure. I appreciate the autonomy that my recent supervisor has given me. And it's not anything that I haven't worked for. So I can definitely relate to the long hours. I can relate to the weekends where I didn't want to be here for freshman preview. I didn't want to be here at God knows what time of the night learning his uh, his lifelong lessons. But those lessons have benefited me way, in ways that I would not even imagine. I would not I could not imagine managing a staff of folks who are very, very close to my age. Some of I actually manage a kid now who's older than me, who is an undergraduate student and the ability to lead him in a direction and inspire him is beyond beneficial to me, beyond beneficial. Well, you know, as leaders, we can learn from everyone. Absolutely. Everyone. And that's when an organization, I think, is going to be performing at its best when everyone who has a, a piece of the or who's part of the organization can make a contribution. Sure. Because you never know where the right answer is going to come from. That's, that's the beauty of it. I tell my folks that I work with, a lot of folks on paper, just because they report to me, say that he's my boss. I am not your boss. On paper, I'm just your supervisor. You work with me toward a common goal. And as their leader, I never profess to have all the right answers. I never will. I'm never going to profess to be the smartest guy in a group because I never will be. But I'm smart enough to know that I'm going to use each and every resource I have available to me to get the job done. So what happened to basketball? Um, you, you, you know, you're on a varsity team, or were you riding the bench? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I played varsity basketball three of the four years of my life. I did not play my freshman year. Got to Seton Hall, and before I, I made the choice to come to Seton Hall, my grandmother urged me to go somewhere for my academics, not just athletics. So my basketball aspirations came to an abrupt ending once I uh, decided to come to Seton Hall, and ever since... I've uh, definitely used my intellect to get me to where I need to be. Considering our, our recent records, you might have been able to help us out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a few folks who, uh, who see me say that, that seems to be the going sentiment. But I, I, would, I would love to offer any assistance, even on this level of, of coaching, I guess. Well, you know, I see here from your, your background that you're offering assistance uh, to a number of organizations. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about Street Warriors program. Sure. How are you involved? What is the program? How are you involved with it? And it's why a, is it important? Okay. It's a program right here in Newark. Um, it identifies folks that come from different socioeconomic backgrounds who may or may not be underprivileged but don't have that key role model in their life. A lot of, a lot of students in Newark cannot tell you uh, a professional's name, first and last name. And if they can, they can't tell you what he or she does for a living. And if they're able to do that, and it's a select few in my experiences, they're not able to pick the phone up and give that person a call. So having volunteered with them, I not only identify to them, not only can I relate to their experiences of not being able to call a professional, a professional on the phone, 
I can relate to their hunger. And I feel like above the dedication, above the credentials, above the fact that I manage 40 students, I'm very, very hungry. Hungry for knowledge, hungry for experiences, and hungry to connect. And how, and how much time do you devote to the program, and how often are you involved with them? The program has, in, has been in a bit of a hiatus for the last two months, mm-hmm. but prior, every Saturday. Since 2000, my first date with them was January 2010. And who's the, the director of the program? Uh, his name, the name that he goes by, his, his public name is Street Doctor. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's who the program is set up under. The students are located three blocks from Rutgers University, downtown Newark. And how many, how many children are involved in the program? Uh, up until its hiatus was 14. And, yeah. and is the hiatus just a temporary thing? or, or? They're ser- searching for a new home. They're searching for a new home. What a happened? new office. Um, I'm not sure what happened on the financial end of things. I tend to not get involved in that. Mm-hmm. But once a new home is located for the program, it is my understanding that everything will be up and running, business as usual. And, and do they have a website that folks can go to? I'm not sure if they have a website now. It was in the works, but I'm not sure if they have a website currently. But it's Street Warriors Program. Street Warriors, yes, in, sir. In, in Newark. Yes, sir. And uh, let's talk about Big Brothers and Big Sisters. Okay. How did you get involved with Big Brothers and Big Sisters? It was actually a recommendation of a friend of mine mm-hmm. who also recommended that I develop a Twitter. If I can go on air and say that. Of course, yeah. Execution is key is yeah. my Twitter name. You can feel free to follow me. It's also on my LinkedIn profile. Execution is key. That's a pretty long Twitter name. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, but but it's but it's such a good phrase because I tell you, um, you know, I, I'm you know working at the American Institute of Physics, and I'm just saying to folks, let's just do it. Right. Let's stop talking about it. Let's execute. Yeah. Nike kind of beat me to the punch with just do it. Yeah. So I had to think of a different way to say that exact same message because I, I feel like, like that. that's the moniker did, for my life. Did you trademark that? I did not trademark. I, I it. suggest you do that. I and being as I'm on radio talking about it, I probably <laughs> should get that done <laughs> very right. soon. That's right. Um, like I said, a good friend of mine recommended that I develop a Twitter because I, I guess I have some sort of a following. And ironically, the way that you connect with people on Twitter is to follow them. Right. So um, I feel like, you know, you can make a logical connection. But I got involved with Big Brother, Big Sister by way of his suggestion. He actually suggested to me I listened. I, again, I will never profess to be the smartest person in a group. And he thinks it's a good idea for me. And I, I personally feel like it's a good idea because it's a logical next step. And uh, w- what do you do at Big Brothers Big Sisters? Um, currently, I'm waiting to be matched with, uh, with, with a new student. With a new student, I just recently expressed my interest to them, so I'm currently waiting to be matched. Excellent, excellent, excellent. And the Trio Student Support Service Program. Yes. Here at Seton Hall. A lot of folks would know that by the name of Upward Bound. Yes, that's right. That's right. A very good mentor of mine, Leroy Wilson. He has since passed away, but he ran the Upward Bound program here at Seton Hall back in the day when I was here. <laughs> a good friend of mine, Charles Shepard, who's affiliated with Upward Bound, reached out to me and asked me to serve on a panel. From that panel, I have a lot of teacher in me. And from that panel, I was able to forge relationships with some of the students that I was speaking to. Um, one of the questions came up was how old was I when I became a leader? Well, to answer that, I That's a great a, question, yeah. I became a leader when I was seven. Okay. I became a leader when I asked my mother the uh, 
the, the very comedic phrase of where's a child's place. I was often told that as a kid, go to a child's place. Well, I couldn't identify where it was. So from that, I kind of think things different. And in order to be different and get a different result, you have to think things different. But I've since, uh, I've, I've since worked with TRIO for the last two summers, preparing some of their students for the logical next step, be it the high school freshman that's going through a very crucial period in his or her life, to the, the seniors that are about to prepare for their first year at college. Wonderful, wonderful. And the Seton Summers uh, Scholars Program. Not sure if you're familiar, but if our listeners are not, the Seton Summer Scholars Program definitely does a great job at preparing students from their last year of high school, I'm sorry, preparing them for their first year of college. They do that by way of making them take seven um, college credits over the summer. They're conditionally accepted to the university. I did that. Nice. I, I came to that program. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I first got involved with that with uh, Robin Cunningham. Uh-huh. She allowed me to guest speak two years ago, 2009. Okay. And from my first guest speech, right. I've been invited to come back year after year without fail. Now, did you know Ingrid Hill? Yes, I did. Good friend of mine. Yes, yes, yes. I did. Yes. Ms. Hill was actually one of my first mentors on campus. Oh, yeah. Mine, I, too. <laughs> I came to the uh, Educational Opportunity Program, 2004. And Ms. Hill was very, very instrumental in, in my, uh, my tenure here at Seton Hall. You know, and I think that's something that's very important to share with folks because I, too, came through the Educational Opportunity nice. Program. And uh, I remember Michael Brown in my interview, uh, he said to me, you got to do well this summer. If you do well this summer, you can come back in the fall. Sure. And uh, I got like a 3-7. It surprised myself. Sure. And uh, went on to have a great career here at Seton Hall. Sure. And... Um, you came through the Educational Opportunity yes, Program? Yes, I did. 2004, some of the uh, mm-hmm. most trying times of my life. Mm-hmm. Up until that time, I'd never had anyone to take my TV away. So I can remember not escaping my room mentally by just watching TV anymore because that was gone. So it kind of forced me to read. It forced me to value the time that I had to spend with uh, my, my colleagues now. But we were all students, and none of us had experience ever on any level our TVs going away. So that was a very fun and trying time for us. Never had that happen to us. <laughs> <laughs> I guess over the years, you know, you make, uh, you make improvements as you go along. And I take it you live in the area? Yes, I do. Two blocks from Seton Hall. Two blocks from Seton Hall. Okay. Yes, I do. Yeah, I used to live on Monticello as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I lived on Monticello Avenue. Wow. After I graduated. Right after Absolutely. I graduated, I moved in. Absolutely. And um, what do you do to relax? You, you, you work, you spend a lot of time here at the university, a lot of hours. Sure. But what do you do in your, your off time? Um, I like classical music. Mm-hmm. Um, not to sound cliche, I do enjoy walking. I feel like it's a lost art. A lot of folks from now want to get to point A to point B, to point C, to point D, far too fast. Um, So when the weather permitting, I'll go for a walk or for a stroll. But I've been fortunate enough to uh, have been encouraged to, you know, definitely go the the movie route now. I'm I'm watching movies now. Movies are a great thing. I I watch a lot of sitcoms. Watching movies now. So, like, for the first 23 years of your life, you didn't see any movies. (laughs) I lie to you not, Mr. Gunter. I I saw a few movies. If you call me Mr. Gunter one more time, I'm going to hit you upside (laughs) your head. I apologize. I apologize. Well, I've been I've been fortunate enough to uh, watch a few movies, um, but I didn't do a lot of that adolescence. Uh, adolescence, I was I was more of a outdoorsy kid. I wanted to be out in the mud, rolling around, playing football, mm-hmm. basketball, etc. I didn't spend a lot of time inside watching movies, but I do now. I do now, which is kind of reverse when I think about it. 
What is, now let's 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 turn the subject to sure. how can we improve uh, the environment here in South Orange, Newark? Okay. Um, as you know, during the break we were talking about um, the unfortunate deaths of a, of a, a couple of folks that, sure. that we knew. I I, I didn't know. Miss uh, Jessica Moore. Yeah, I didn't know Jessica Moore, but um, my next door neighbor Baron Weir, um, unfortunately, was gone down in Newark that Tuesday night, just before uh, Jessica's death. Sure. You know, what can we do as leaders to improve the situation in our community? I don't think as leaders we can be we can be accountable for our environments, but we can do more with connecting with the people who are in our environments. I'm a firm believer in the uh, the town hall sort of approach, letting the, the constituents of any area air their dirty laundry, air their gripes, and be educated as to why we're doing things at the municipal level. So having more town halls and bridging that connection between Newark and South Orange. A lot of folks have a, a growing idea that it's okay to turn left once you leave Seton Hall University, but turning right is frowned upon for whatever reason. I feel like there's so much more that could be done to unify those two municipalities that are only separated by a few streets. And we and we have not seen the two local leaders of South Orange and Newark ever talk about getting together. That and, to me yeah. that to me is very, very typical. Very typical. I feel like folks get so caught up in tradition that they lose sight of actually changing the problem. Yeah. The problem is not Newark versus South Orange versus any other municipality. The problem is we have two identified leaders that have connected with their respective audience that I don't know of an explanation of why we can't Google their last meeting, of why we can't go to the municipality's websites and see minutes from their last meeting. There's so much more that can be done, that should be done, and if we get the right leaders in these positions one day, we have hope for the future. One, one, of, the, one of the programs that I, I hope to have in, in, in the future is to really to have those two local leaders on the program, to have Cory Booker here sure. with um, the new village president, because Doug Newman, the current president, he's not, gonna, he's not running for re-election. Sure. So, but it's so important for us to talk about the importance of South Orange in Newark really coexisting as they have coexisted all of these years. Sure. Be, simply because Seton Hall is a great institution, has a lot to offer. Newark is a great town, has a lot to offer. Things are improving, but it's not where we want it to be. Sure. But we have to solve this crime issue. Absolutely. You know, in order Absolutely. to solve this crime issue, there's also have to figure out how do we solve this people issue of why people commit the crimes that they do. Right. You know, um, as I'm an adjunct faculty here at Seton Hall, and I get the alerts when there's a robbery. Absolutely. And in the last in the last two years. It's been buzzing off at, at least once every three or four weeks. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And the safety of our students is so important. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, I'd like to credit our, our public safety department with doing everything in their power to make sure that students are safe. We have the case van. We have the shoe fly. We have transportation initiatives. A lot needs to be, a lot more effort needs to be spent on a student taking personal accountability for his or her safety walking alone anywhere 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 at any hour of the night is definitely not encouraged it's definitely not encouraged it doesn't to me i, I get the same alerts that, that you've mentioned and to me every time i get the alert 
my initial thought is, well, what did the student do to put himself or herself in that situation? And I'm not putting the blame necessarily on the student, but I'm personally accountable for my own actions. And if more students thought that way, I'm inclined to believe that our crime statistics wouldn't be where they are. I think Newark as a municipality has done has had has made huge strides under Mayor Booker in terms of being safe. I feel safe outside of my own apartment, but I feel safe because I know that the decisions that I make to remain safe are constant day after day. What advice would you give Mayor Booker and the outgoing village president Doug Newman about how they can improve things here? Um the advice I would give Mayor Booker and Doug Newman is well, Doug Newman, you've mentioned, is outgoing, but the advice I would give the, the upcoming, mm-hmm. incoming presi- or president of South Orange is to just get together, is to have the, those very critical conversations, is to identify the initiatives that would be beneficial to both municipalities. Because some students would, being on campus, they would love to do a cleanup in Newark, but is to organize those initiatives and to encourage the, the interaction among the folks that honestly not only need to feel safe, but are going to be our future residents of these municipalities. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Joshua E. Lewis, who is one of the shining stars here at, at Seton Hall. He is about to graduate with his master's in strategic communication. Strategic and communication. All right. And he, and he promised me he's going to go back and get his Ph.D. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Joshua, I mean, really, what's next after graduation? I know you, I know you, you love your job and everything, but, right. but really, what's next? Um, I do love my job, but I would be remiss in saying that I'm not always preparing for what's upcoming. So what's upcoming for me is I do want to write a book. I plan to write a book. Let's talk about that. Okay. What are you going to write about? Um, The Art of Presentation. And I've kind of already selected my book title, and I don't want to give too much away, but being able to deliver in difficult situations. Folks will never remember exactly what you say verbatim. Even though we're being recorded right now, I'm... I really doubt that anybody listening is going to remember exactly what I said verbatim, but they're going to remember exactly where they were when they heard me speak on the radio. They're going to remember what I said that made them feel a type of way, and they're going to take away the presentation. And although they can't physically see me, they can see me mentally. They can see me figuratively. They can see me by driving by Seton Hall Monday through Sunday, any given day of the week, because I'm not the only person that thinks the way that I think. A lot of these young students are very prepared for the next step. It's unfortunate that the economy is the way it is, but I feel like once the uh, financial situation turns around, we're going to have a lot of leaders that are going to come out of Seton Hall and do some very, very big things, and I'm just happy to be a part of it. Now, during our interview last week, you talked about encouraging students to use LinkedIn. Sure. And I found that to be very, very surprisingly, I was surprised by the class that I taught Sure, that the students didn't know about LinkedIn. They're in business school and they're in a consultative sales course and they don't know about LinkedIn or they're not in LinkedIn. What's going on with, with the generations that they just think that Facebook is, 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 is cool and LinkedIn is for old folks like me? I mean, well, you know, what, what's going on there? Not to discredit Facebook, Twitter, MySpace or any other social networking mechanism. But what I've found is that LinkedIn is strictly about one word, business. And it's surprising that your students are not familiar with that being as though their credentials would lead me to believe that they would be very heavily involved with LinkedIn. But it's not all that uncommon. 
I had the uh, unique experience of partnering with uh, I, one of my colleagues who did not think it was cool or acceptable that I do not have a Facebook. I can say that already. I do not have a Facebook. I only have LinkedIn. The only thing I want to talk about in reference to social networking is just that. You mean you don't want to share with me what type of Cheerios that you're eating on a Saturday morning? <laughs> Darrell, I, as, as much love and appreciation as I have for you, I don't think you need an update when I go to the mall. I don't think you need an update when I'm in traffic and I'm stuck there and I'm pulling my hair out, although I don't have much now. I don't think you need miscellaneous updates. I know you and I know how busy you are and you need important updates, important updates by way of me communicating um, a new project, me communicating. Oh, well, I see Josh has a recommendation by me communicating. If you have any internship opportunities available, I know of 40 great students who can fill those shoes. But that, to me, is where I need to spend a majority of my time. I mean, time. you don't want your employer to see that you're out drinking Saturday night with the pictures of the uh, bottles that you were drinking. <laughs> my students have a hard time believing that employers actually research them. But as I mentioned last week, you are your own leader. You really are. You're a corporation all of your own. Everything that you stand for, everything that's on the Internet, everything that folks can replay at any given point is something that is going to be valuable to an employer. It may make the difference between getting a second offer and not even being looked at. If I know that I can Google you and up pops a cup of God knows what, I'm probably not going to call you back. I don't. Corporations have to protect their brand, their brand and no corporation is going to lose the status of their brand behind some candidate that has some cup of God knows what. I just, I, I don't, I'm not inclined to believe that. By the way, there's a uh, uh, service called the Internet Archive. Oh. And this gentleman's business, they archive anything and everything from the Internet. Wow. That's his business. Wow. Yes. And um, so as I tell my 14-year-old daughter, or 13-year-old, she's be 14 in, in uh, July, you know, Sometimes she might have something up there that sure. is not smart. Sure. And she goes, oh, I'll delete it. I said, well, you can delete it now, but believe me, it's already captured. Sure. And, and, and the key thing is that the young folks, they really don't understand. And this has been chronicled and covered in the Wall Street Journal back in 2004 sure. about employers checking out sure. um, people's Facebook page to see exactly, you know, is this type of employee I want to have in the workplace. Sure. A, a professor of mine, um, Professor Kenneth Mizrak, who runs the VA hospital in East Orange, shared with me a quote that I'm going to share with all of our listeners, which is, life is an interview. Just because it is that I feel so inclined to share with you what it is that after I leave this, uh, this radio studio does not mean that it's going to go away. It's still out there. It still happened. It's still real. And understanding that leads me to make more educated decisions than things that are going to be promoted on the internet and talked about for years to come and possibly be harmful. Life is an interview. Just understanding that no matter what you're doing, somebody's watching. It could be an employer. It could not be an employer. It could be a friend. It could not be your friend. But someone is watching. Well, Joshua, you know, believe it or not, our time is up. I've enjoyed Gosh. our discussion over the last two weeks. We're here with Joshua E. Lewis, 
who is graduating in May from Seton Hall University with his master's in strategic communication strategic and leadership. Communication and leadership. What 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 quote would you like to leave, or phrase, or or thought you'd like to leave with our audience? I guess if I could leave the audience with one soundbite, it would be the following: to make your future as much of a reality as you want it to be. Leadership is identifying what's important to you and being able to articulate that in a very simple and relatable fashion. Well, you've heard it here from Mr. Joshua E. Lewis. Joshua, it's a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the program. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps up our discussion with, with Mr. Joshua E. Lewis. This is Darrell Gunter, your host on Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.